We're going to take a look at God's Word this morning, and uh, if you have a Bible with you, we're in Galatians, the uh, sixth, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read verses 16 through 26. You'll see the uh, this on the uh, screen behind me in the New International Version. Wonderful passage. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Ah, but if you're led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the Word of God. Well, I'm glad that... Pastor Ken um, prayed and gave thanks this morning for the weather. I know that uh, when you, you know, those of us who've lived in Edmonton for any length of time, uh, we're probably pretty quick to talk about the weather and acknowledge uh, how horrible the winters can sometimes be. But uh, this month of May has been beautiful. And I think we should also then acknowledge when it has been nice. It's the kind of ideal weather uh, for a nice walk in the park, don't you think? Except if you've been out for a walk in the park, (laughs) you'll notice that we now have another issue, mosquitoes. And uh, coaching soccer this spring has not been a whole lot of fun because of that. And those of you who have kids playing soccer realize just how horrible some of those soccer fields are and the swarms of mosquitoes that are around. And if you don't lather up with the, uh, with the mosquito repellent, then uh, it's really not an ideal uh, day in the park. This morning, I want to talk about a walk in the park of sorts. It's not always an easy walk. In fact, sometimes it can be downright nasty. The passage that Pastor Ken looked at, we're going to look at specifically just this overall theme of what does it mean to live life by the Spirit. And specifically, verse 16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, most translations will actually say, walk by the Spirit, or um, walk in the Spirit. And so really, uh, we have made reference to this many times. This probably is not a new analogy for many of you. But the Christian life really is a journey. And this journey can be difficult at times. In fact, 
I've talked with people who say that their life is harder now since becoming a follower of Christ. And maybe when you think back in your own life, that might be true for you, and you may feel that way as well. You know, this is just too much sometimes. This is more than I can do, more than I can accomplish, more than I can handle, and I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm discouraged with this Christian life stuff. No matter how hard I try, I never seem to measure up. And oftentimes people come to that place in their life or that acknowledgement and they'll actually kind of walk away from the Christian faith because it's too hard. The demands are too great. The Christian life, in fact, isn't just difficult. It isn't just challenging. It's impossible. You can't do it on your own strength. And if you try, and many people do, you probably will burn out. Christians burn out by trying to accomplish something that they were never supposed to accomplish in the first place. At least not in their own strength. And that's why this little phrase here in Galatians is such an incredible concept. Because verse 16 says again, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. We all know what walking is, right? We've done it most of our lives. But what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? How do we do that? To walk in the Spirit means to live every day in dependence upon God. It is an unbroken fellowship and reliance on the Holy Spirit to do what He came to do and what He alone can do. You see, it isn't trying, it's trusting. It isn't determining, it's depending It is depending on the Holy Spirit to do His work in us and then ultimately through us. And so this key is being filled, as we saw in the video, constantly being filled, constantly setting our sails and our rudders in such a direction where we can catch the wind of the Spirit, as it were, and then continually walking in the Spirit. The Spirit-filled walk is the only option for Christians. And why do I say that? Let me give you at least three reasons this morning. The first is this, because the demands are so great. Because the demands are so great. You think being a Christian is a walk in the park? You might need to rethink that. Anyone who thinks that being a Christian is easy needs to look at what the Bible says about the Christian's walk. Just think about this with me. We're to walk in good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're to walk properly. Romans 13.13 urges us to walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Well, we're also to walk in faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we are to walk by means of that which we can't in any ways discern with our five senses. How easy is that? We're to walk in love. Ephesians 5, 2 tells us we must walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. That sets the bar pretty high, doesn't it? We're to walk worthy of the Lord. 
Colossians 1.10 urges us to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. We're to walk as Jesus walked. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Does that list just start to feel a little overwhelming in a sense? Ephesians 4.1, we're to walk worthy of our vocation or our calling. It tells us that we've been given a new vocation, a new calling as God's people. Therefore, we're to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Still sound like a walk in the park? Tiptoe through the tulips? Add your own cliche to that? Some people seem to think, and they've often been sold, that, you know, you... You just put your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, and life will be wonderful thereever after. It will be easy. The reality is, sometimes when we come to that place, and we don't get that easy life that we are expecting, when we look at the challenges before us, we want to give up. Make no mistake about it, the Christian life is not easy, The demands are great. And you look at a list like that and you go, you know what? I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because it's the only option for us to walk in the Holy walk in the Spirit. But there's another reason why the Spirit-filled walk is our only option. Because our enemy is determined. We have an enemy who is very determined. Because not only is the walk itself tough, but we have someone nipping at our heels along the way. When I say that we have a determined enemy who's after us, I'm not being paranoid. I'm just speaking the truth. This enemy is real and he really is after us. In fact, his whole goal, his whole reason for existence is to destroy God's people and God's work. And often if he gets one, he gets the other and he goes to great lengths to do that. Who is this enemy? You know who he is. He's the devil, Satan, the adversary. And what does Paul say in Ephesians 6, 2? Sorry, 6, verse 12. For our struggle, this battle, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against material things or other things and people that you can see. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, those who we tend to think may be our enemies really aren't our enemies. That irate driver, that frustrating neighbor, that challenging relationship, none of those are the real issue. This one who is powerful hates Jesus and hates anyone belonging to Jesus. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, we're told that Satan is like a roaring lion, ever prowling, seeking whom he may devour. And many of God's people are being devoured. Have you noticed? He's devouring Their influence. He's devouring marriages. He's devouring our children. He's devouring churches at times. He's devouring opportunities for ministry and service. If you're a follower of Christ, 
you need to understand that you have a big target on your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul tells us that Satan uses schemes. Okay? That simply means that Satan has a strategy. He's very particular. And that we shouldn't be ignorant of his strategic desire to destroy our lives. If we had the opportunity to sneak into his office and maybe check out his files, you may find a file with your name where he keeps all of the strategies, those that have worked, maybe those that that haven't worked, because he won't waste his time with those. He'll use variations of these strategies that have worked in the past, and as long as they keep working, he'll keep using them. I suspect if I did that, I may go in and find a file that says Janky Norb. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a note that said something like, you know, Norb may be susceptible to discouragement, especially if he becomes overly tired. This has worked several times before and seems to be a promising strategy. Suggestion. Make sure he stays very busy, overcommitted, and physically tired. If necessary, illness works as well. At all costs, keep him from extended times of Bible reading and prayer. I'm confident that Satan looks for ways to discourage me and, if possible, cause some depression. He'll use whatever he has to use, people, problems, circumstances, whatever it might be. If that's true for me, what might be written in your file? Frequently tempted to gossip, quick temper, prone to jealousy, weak in the area of lust. Don't kid yourself. He knows where we are most vulnerable. He hates us. And he has a plan and a strategy to destroy our walk with Jesus. And that's why many will say that their life is harder now as a Christian. And I think that's true. Because prior to becoming a follower of Christ, there was no tug of war for the soul. We didn't have that that sense of this battle raging. And we are in a battle against the spiritual forces of evil, as Paul teaches us in Ephesians. But there's at least one more reason why the Spirit-filled walk is the only option for Christians. Because the flesh is destructive. The flesh is destructive. In Galatians 5.16 here again, we have this phrase, walk in the spirit, as we've been emphasizing that. But then it goes on to say, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What does that mean? Well, the word flesh in the New Testament is a term that goes beyond bones and blood and muscle. It is a word that in essence speaks of life apart from God. The flesh is everything you are minus God and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. It's when we can sing with the hymn writer, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's this tendency to to walk away from God that really distinguishes the flesh. And so Paul says, if we walk by means of the Spirit, we won't then, in essence, be walking in the flesh. We won't be walking like God wasn't a part of our lives. Did you know that you can be a Christian 
and act as though God isn't even in our lives. You don't lose your flesh when Christ comes to live within you. And you will live from that day on until you get to heaven with these two natures in battling, right? An old one and a new one. By no means is the old one wiped out. Now, you know that to be true, don't you? I mean, every time something ugly or evil or ungodly erupts in your heart and mind, where did it come from? It didn't come out of nowhere. It came from that old nature that still lives within us. And so what do we do? Well, we surrender fully, daily, continually, and let the Holy Spirit take control of our lives. It's like he said in the video. It's who we choose to allow to influence us. But there's always going to be this conflict. Because look at verse 17, if you have your Bibles open. It continues, Paul says. He says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. Okay? So you, you tracking with me, right? You got the, the sinful nature, the flesh, <clears throat> and we have the Spirit. They're contrary to each other. And it goes on to say, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. No show of hands here, but I suspect every one of us could say amen to that. You've experienced it. We know what we want. We know what we should do. And we don't do it because there's this tension. And we, we sometimes cave in to the to this tension. And so Paul is saying here that there's a war going on within us, flesh against the spirit. And sometimes people wonder why the flesh will have such powerful influence on Christians. Let me toss out a few ideas just for you to think about. Number 1 is simply this, physical age versus spiritual age. Sometimes the flesh has an impact on us because of the difference between our physical age and our spiritual age. Let me just try to explain this for a second, what I mean. You come to Christ, say, at the age of 15. Well, the flesh has had a 15-year head start. You know what a teenager can be like sometimes, right? Well, when did you come to Christ? When you were 20 or 25, 30? If you stop and think about it, your flesh was well into this race before your new nature in Christ even got onto the track. In other words, all of those tendencies and habits of the flesh, things that we learned and practiced when we weren't a follower of Christ, those things left a legacy in our minds and in our spirits. And when you become a Christian... There isn't some automatic erasure of all of those old habits and patterns. And many times it's like a, a video recording, a digital playback of all of these things in our minds. Places we went when we were 20 or 25. Things we did. And these images can just be burned into our minds. Images that we probably wish were never there. You've probably experienced this where you're maybe sitting in church. You're worshiping. 
or you're in your own quiet time and having prayer, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this old image pops into your mind, and you can see it as if it was yesterday. And I suspect for some of us this morning, just even talking about this has maybe pushed that play button, and all of a sudden there are these videos, oh yeah, there was that time, and there was this. And what's happening here? Satan is using the flesh to distract you because you've had all these tendencies and habits. Well, there's another reason why this tug of the flesh can seem so strong. I'll just say it's pretty obvious, I think. It's the influence of our culture. Let me ask you, when you think of kind of the culture in general, what nature does the culture feed? The spirit or the flesh? It's no contest, right? TV, magazines, movies, music, music videos, the internet. What do we see? Right? Flesh. Literally everywhere. And everywhere you turn, there it is. How do you feel? Time's probably guilty. You feel a little jerked around, defeated, overwhelmed. You don't know what to, what to do. You say to yourself, you know, it must be me. There must be something very, very wrong with me. It's the influence of our culture that feeds this tug of war and the flesh and the sinful nature. You could go on and look at it and you could do this for yourself. You, 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 you know that the statistics in terms of what's on TV is unbelievable. And I know there's been on more than one occasion where, where we'll be watching a, a show as a family and a commercial comes on even. And Tina and I will just look at each other and going, uh-oh, <laughs> you know. And thankfully now with PVRs, you record it and you skip through the commercials and you're done with it, right? But there's always something and it just seems to come out of nowhere. But that's the influence of our culture. And lastly, this one may not be as easy to swallow, but I think it's true as well. The irresponsibility of our lives. M many times we have conflicts with the flesh simply because we don't take the responsibility we should take you know, to be in God's Word, to follow His instruction, and to be filled with the Spirit. And even when we do hear the Spirit speak and, 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 and it seems to nudge us in a certain direction, sometimes we just close our ears and we say, no, I, not today, or whatever the excuse we may make. And what did Paul say here? He says, walk by the Spirit. And if we do this, there's a promise. He says, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If you stop and think about it, that, that is pretty straightforward and it's pretty simple. If we follow the Spirit, then we cannot gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, if you want to, a, a really graphic picture of what it's like to walk in the flesh, all you need to do is read on in the fifth chapter here of Galatians. Pastor Ken already read it for us because it, it, he, Paul described it there. He says the acts of the sinful nature, these are obvious. You don't need to look very far. He starts out with all sorts of sexual sins and then he goes into idolatry and witchcraft. He talks about hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, 
selfish ambition? We ever think that that was a, a sin of the flesh? Dissensions, factions, and envy? And it just goes on. It's a pretty ugly list. Are you convinced yet that we need help in this walk? And that this walk is anything but a walk in the park? You see, the overwhelming testimony of the Bible is that the demands of the Christian life are great. The determination of the enemy is absolutely unwavering. And the destructive influence of the flesh is out to unravel everything we are or hope to be in Christ. But listen to me, that's not the whole story. We don't want to, you know, there's all this negative stuff there. But here's the beauty of it. We have been given a power. We have been given a person. We have been given an opportunity to live life on a completely different level as we learn to walk in the Spirit. When you walk by the Spirit, you will learn how to depend on God every day, for everything, in every way, and all the time. How do we do that? Let me give you one simple application and illustration that I hope will, will capture this for you. It's simply called spiritual breathing. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, died, I think, eight years ago or so. He used a very simple word picture that I find very helpful to understand this spirit-filled walk. So if we ask the Spirit of God to control our lives, he does. And I do believe that life is better than it has ever been before. There is joy in being a follower of Christ and being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because we experience a joy and a power and a perspective that is far beyond anything that we've ever encountered before. Along the journey, however, sometimes sin enters the picture. You do something that grieves or quenches the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, you, you push him off the throne of your life and you kind of allow the old flesh nature back in control. We have to take that back. Because when we experience that, we experience typically discouragement and sadness and this struggle. But that's where Dr. Bright's little word picture of spiritual breathing enters in. Okay? Follow, me, follow along with me on this. Think of physical breathing. All of us are doing it continually. What is involved? Just really two things, right? Inhaling fresh air and exhaling bad air. It's what we do all day long, all night long, and it's really pretty much second nature to us, right? It happens automatically. That's really where we want to get to when it comes to spiritual breathing. It's a similar process. It is exhaling the impure and inhaling the pure. It is rejecting the bad and embracing the good. It, and it works like this, right? When you become aware of sin in our lives... We deal with it at that very moment, wherever we are. Uh, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, of course, you just flew off in a fit of rage with one of your children. I know this probably never happens, but you may even be, in your own mind, totally justified. 
but you're supposed to be walking in the Spirit. And what do you do when you become aware of your sin? You could probably spend all day justifying your behavior. After all, you know, they should show a little more appreciation, a little more respect, a little more this, a little more that. But in your heart, you know that you've crossed a line and that you've sinned. You know that we've grieved the Holy Spirit of God and He's made us aware of this sin and He wants us to immediately confess it and seek forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You basically say, Lord, I agree with you that what I just did was wrong. I have sinned. I ask that you would forgive me. And in doing that, what have you done? You've just exhaled the impurity of your heart. And then in response, you say, Lord, I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be the one to guide me in all that I do and all that I say and all that I think. Please fill me again with your spirit. That's inhaling. And so how often do we do that? Well, as often as is necessary. And at first, it may seem like we're doing this every few minutes. But the more we consciously breathe, confessing and forsaking all sin and seeking the filling of the Spirit, you'll notice that these breaths become further and further apart. But listen carefully. If we allow sin to remain in our heart and we stop seeking the filling of the Spirit, we may wake up one day and discover that we've been walking in the flesh for a long time. And that is a very dangerous way to live. When we continually quench the voice of the Holy Spirit, it can be deadly to our spiritual health. You see, the Spirit may be warning us, but now we're no longer even really in tune and we don't hear Him as we, we once did. And Christians can walk in the flesh for years because we refuse to, to deal with sin in our lives. Often we find ways to justify it. But remember the command in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. Spiritual breathing. Exhaling the sin inhaling, or being filled with the pure. This is what Paul goes on to say in this passage. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the image there of keeping in step is kind of like a, a military marching in step. And so we have the Holy Spirit, and our job then is to tune and align ourselves so that we walk in step with the Spirit. We become aware of sin, we confess it, and we ask God to, to fill us again. And we just do this over and over and over again as often as necessary. And if we live in the Spirit, we have the Spirit within us, and He is our very life, 
It's, it's just a call that we live that way and we honor God with every decision along the way. And I believe he continually gives us victory in those, in those areas then as well. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, the list changes. A whole new character starts to form in us. Marked by what Paul says is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Quite a different list than the earlier list in this passage, isn't it? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're filled with the Spirit. We walk daily, step by step, with the Spirit.